1: Welcome to the RotoWire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. I'm Clay Link here with RotoWire.com's James Anderson. James, uh, I want to start the show by taking another public L on Hunter Green. Man, got the bump up to AAA since the last time we talked. I was just dead wrong. I put too much into what I saw with my own two eyes in spring training. Um. Breaking ball command didn't seem to be there. He was leaving stuff over the heart of the plate, but it's clicked since, and now he's just one step away.
2: Yeah, I'll I'll take another big L on on Hunter Green. I know that um, we occasionally will have someone who maybe hasn't listened to all the podcasts or all the radio shows asking us to take another L on Hunter Green, and and I'm happy to do so. Uh, Yeah, he's –
1: I've never been happier to take an L because I'm a fan. Of the team, but I just didn't think he was. I didn't think he had the secondaries or the command to to be a well, top notch starter.
2: I think the most impressive thing for me is just the fact that he's gone five plus innings in every start this year. Even like you know, he's got a few where he walked a few too many guys, but even in those starts, he's going going deep into his starts, and and most pitching prospects this year have been going. Like four innings per start, just in, a, in an effort to sort of manage their innings, and the fact that he's having these incredibly impressive results, but also turning lineups over multiple times—it's it's been really really impressive.
1: Yeah, somebody on Twitter was asking if it's time to stash, and I was actually embarrassed by the timing of it because I had actually just stashed him and in, in only Hunter Green, and I thought maybe I'd tweet that, but I thought I thought nobody would really believe me. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'm a sucker. And again, I didn't really like what I saw in the spring, but he's just been so dominant. And the Reds, hey, a couple games over 500 now, taking it to your crew. I know they're playing right now. I can't watch them because they're blacked out here. So annoying. Um, the blackout. Uh, top third, 0 0, Reds, Brewers. So the Reds, I thought maybe a couple weeks ago they might be sellers, but maybe they bring up a guy like Green. You already saw Tony Santian. Maybe they they make another push to go for it. I could see it. Uh, Santiana did not think looked very good. Um, command was all over the place. He was effective enough, but he really lost lost hold of the command. Uh, James, I know you've been updating your individual org top twenties. Is Hunter Green the the Reds' top prospect now? Would you say?
2: Um. Well, I you know I did the top four hundred update probably. 10 days ago or so. And on that, I had Nick Lodolo over him. Lodolo was uh, really, really impressive in his own right. Now he's on the IL at double A with a blister, I think. Um, But if I re-updated everything today, I'd probably have green ahead of Lodolo. But I mean, it's it's really close. Both those guys uh, take big L's on both those guys because I was too low on on both Reds hurlers. And I would agree with you. I think, you know, I think Green probably does get a look this year if he can stay healthy.
1: Yeah, I think so too, because they've had some injuries. And it's good to see Castillo coming back, but um, pitching okay. But I think, yeah, I think now that he's bumped up to AAA, it may only be a month, month and a half before we see Green. So I did go ahead and stash. Him. It was actually eerie how close it was to that tweet when I actually. It was like within minutes I'd picked him up and that guy asked if it was stash and season on green yet and it is um, I could see that we'll talk a little bit more about your org your work uh, ranking prospects in each organization but we did have a question from uh, Fabulous Djf I'm putting it down at the bottom of the screen here if you're watching on YouTube we appreciate those who are tuning in any uh, in insight as to when bruhan or Duran will come up we could just touch on this briefly I know uh, Duran's continue to making continues to make some some noise down there.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, Bruhan's actually cooled off a little bit. Um, I think he would be up as an injury replacement. I don't really see a obvious way to shoehorn him into a enough at bats for it to make sense for them to bring him up right now. So I think if you see, you know, Joey Wendell, Brandon Lau. Uh, Even, like, you know, if G-Man Choi got hurt, they could move guys around. Um, Any number of the outfielders getting hurt could result in Bruhan getting a call. So I think you're basically just waiting for an injury with him. And then uh, with Duran, um, he was playing in the the Team USA uh, qualifiers, but he's back with Worcester now, and and he's – been hitting. He's got two hits in his last each of his last three games. So I would I would not be surprised if we saw Duran get the call before the end of the month.
1: Nice. Well, let's get into these orgs uh specifically. And you've uh, gone through and updated the individual top twenties for each organization. Your big top four hundred update. What, was that a week ago? Two weeks ago? Now? Yeah, about a little about a over a week ago. ago. Nice. So. Any, you know, as you were evaluating things, we know the Rays have a deep system. The Dodgers have an embarrassment of riches, both at the major league level and in the system uh, and the farm. Any other systems that you were, you know, as you were ranking players, thought, oh man, this is kind of a deeper system than
2: I realized? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not, I do this, I spend so much time on this stuff that I'm not really surprised. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to note the, the five systems where they had at least twenty guys represented in the top four hundred, uh, like you said, the Rays. No surprise there. The Dodgers, uh, obviously, they're just you know that they, they kill it on all fronts—trades, draft, uh, international market—and uh, they they just seem like they're just always going to have one of the five or ten best systems in the game, no matter what. Uh, the Rays do clearly to me, have the number one system. Like I don't think it's debatable at all. They have everything you could possibly want. They have guys that are close to the majors, hitters and pitchers. They have guys in the lower levels with upside. So uh, the Rays are just absolutely stacked. Uh, as good of a farm system as, as we've probably seen in, in a while. Um, and then Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and the New York Yankees are the other three uh, that have 20-plus guys in the top 400. Not surprising on uh, Cleveland. We, we talk about them a lot in terms of just being uh, absolutely loaded in the lower levels. And they're probably going to be the first team to kind of challenge the Rays for the top system in the game here. But that's probably over a year away. And then Pittsburgh obviously has been making a, a bunch of deals to rebuild and uh, they've done a they've done a really nice job with that, so they're they're represented very well in the top 400. And the Yankees, you know, you might not think of them as having a, a great system because they don't have, uh, you know, guys that we're like waiting for to get the call to the majors, right? Like they're we talk about the Rays guys a lot, uh, but the Yankees are are really loaded in in the lower levels. They've got a lot of good young arms. Uh, they've done really, really well on the international market, and they they probably have a a lot of volatility, uh, more volatility than than most uh, of these teams. Just in terms of the guys who are on the top four hundred, like some of these guys are just really boom or bust. But they've got a ton of upside, and they've got the pieces to go uh, acquire, you know, anyone they want at the trade deadline without giving up uh, their top two or three guys.
1: I guess I was projecting my own surprise about seeing the Pirates listed. Obviously, you do this as uh, basically, you know, your life in, in a sense. But um, I'm a little surprised to see the Pirates as a top uh, five deepest system for you because I guess I just hadn't had it in my head that they were
2: this far along in their rebuild. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they did really well in the... Uh, Jamison Taillon trade. Uh, they got some guys obviously in the, the Joe Musgrove trade um, and they've just, uh, Brian Hayes actually just graduated, I think yesterday, uh, but it's not, you know, a lot of their guys have been in the system for a while and have just been kind of slowly working their way up. Um, you know, they might like not. Jared, have... I'm sorry. Go so, ahead. I was just
1: going to say, it looks like Jared Oliva barely holding on to a spot in the org ranks
2: yeah i mean he's he's 25 and uh there's there's sort of some short side platoon risk with him he really needs to hit um to to get a a look as an everyday guy but
1: yeah only a 650 op oh he's only played two games i guess he was hurt
2: yeah he was hurt um they don't have the the pirates it's it's probably more quantity over quality with them right now especially now that Key brian hayes has graduated Uh, they don't have a ton of guys that I think have like the potential to be top 50 prospects, but um, they've just got a, a lot of guys that could be top 100 guys. Um, so it's, I mean, you I understand why you'd be surprised by them being in there and the, and they don't have that sort of really high end upside with a lot of these guys. But um, I think this, th- there's this misconception that the Pirates are sort of a laughingstock regime and people just – Are translating kind of the the past regime to this new regime. And it's, it's been much better since Ben Sherrington and company took over.
1: Yeah. The product on the field at the big league level, still embarrassing. Oh yeah. But a lot better days to come for Bucco's fans. Let's talk shallowest, 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 (laughs) shallowest systems in the bigs. Which one would you say is the shallowest? James.
2: Uh, I think it's, it's very clearly the Chicago White Sox, and there's there's no shame in that. I mean, they did, they did with their farm system what you're supposed to do with your farm system. They graduated guys, and they're helping the big league club. And some of the guys they graduated aren't even helping the big league club because they're hurt right now, and they're and they're still having an awesome year. So, uh, it's not you know it's not a major slight on Chicago that their system is the worst in the game. It's clearly the worst in the game to me. I mean, they don't have they don't have a single guy that has any argument to be a top 100 prospect. And realistically, like, like I've got Benjamin Bailey in my top 200, but he's hanging on by a thread and he won't be a top 200 guy when I add the the new draftees in, in a few weeks. Um, the, the other guys that are in the top 400, like Jared Kelly, has had a really rough start to his pro campaign uh jose rodriguez is a infielder who's had a had a nice start to the year but i mean he's you know it's kind of a stretch to say that he would be an impact player um they just i mean the white Sox. when i was updating their top 20 you know it's more than half of the the top 20 guys in that system are guys that i would strongly bet don't ever become uh regular big leaguers so um they're they're in a weird position where it's it's going to be a Uh, buyer's market once again at the trade deadline, I think. Uh, And they're obviously a contender and they could use some help. But if they want to add any impactful players at the deadline, the guys that they're going to have to trade are already on the big league roster. Guys like, um, you know, Kopech, Vaughn, Crochet. Like I know that White Sox fans don't want to trade any of those guys, obviously, and I I wouldn't want to either. But they don't have anyone on on the farm that could get them um, a big time impact piece at the deadline.
1: Yeah, really have to win win a title in the next few years with, with La Russa. We'll see if it happens because uh, that window is eventually going to slam shut. But they, they do have a little window here in the next two to three years, I'd say, to win a title. Uh, James, the Phillies have been in a spot where they kind of, I mean, they've been trying to compete ostensibly, but uh, – just never, in my opinion, have realistically had enough for these past few years to to make a real run of the title. And, you know, they have Bryce Harper locked up, but looking at the system, do you think they're ever going to be able to put enough around him or are they always just going to be toeing this middle middle line for the next decade?
2: Yeah, I think that they are, you know, they have one of the more sort of hopeless futures of any team in the majors. I mean, it's it's kind of... The, their rosters are different, but it's kind of like the the Angels. They're they're kind of like the Angels of the NL, where you have this star player locked up uh, long term, but you just don't have the pieces either on the big league roster or really in the minors to to give you a ton of hope of of um, cashing it in for a title. I mean, like the the Nationals have a really bad system too, but at least the Nationals won a World Series recently. And the Phillies are in this really bad spot where they can't rebuild because they've spent a ton of money on guys like Harper and Wheeler. And, um, you know, they have like Aaron Nola in his prime and it's just, it's not a uh, something that they could sell to ownership. I don't think that, that we're going to tear it down. And yet they aren't really realistic contenders to me and they don't have a lot coming on the farm. I mean, their best, Prospect is probably Mick Abel, who's like four years away. Uh, Bryson Stott has had a nice season, but he's really their only position player prospect on the farm that you could say has a has a strong likelihood of being a everyday big leaguer. So uh, there's just there's not a lot coming in Philly, and there's they're probably a little shorthanded on the big league roster as is.
1: Alfonso Lassane asks in the uh, or says in the chat, please tell me Franco's up. Uh, to my knowledge, Wander Franco's not up. But, uh, <laughs> we're still waiting. We're still on it, Franco
2: watch. It is It is worth noting that um, he now, like, with Vidal Brujan kind of, it's not scuffling, but, like, he, he's cooled off. Uh, Franco does probably have the statistical case over Brujan at this point. Uh, he's not on the 40-man roster, but um, it's – You know, I used to be pretty confident that Brujan would get the call ahead of Franco. I'd probably still bet on that, but it's closer than it it used to be for me. I think Franco um, could get the call. It's just a question of, like, what would have to happen? Like, does someone have to get hurt? I mean, how bad would Taylor Walls have to play over how long of a stretch for Franco to replace him? Because Walls has been pretty solid. And so that's it's a, it's a really tough uh, tough call to make in terms of when he'd be up. I think it's a tough call to make in terms of when Shane Bos will be up too because he's uh, I mean he's kind of been just as impressive as, as Hunter Green for the Reds and I think he's put himself in the position to uh, be an option um, to join the big club as well. Uh, Joe Ryan could join the big club on the, the pitching side as well and, and Josh Lowe's um been awesome all season so it's really tough to predict how the rays are going to handle these call-ups when they've got like four or five really deserving guys at triple a
1: yeah i'm still waiting on franco but i uh i don't think he's going to be able to save my labor team james i just lost glass now and i think that's the uh last straw so that's unfortunate i'll keep grinding but uh I think Vladdy's not going to be able to carry the team by himself, so we'll have to see. Before we move on, let's start with a quick word from our sponsors.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: Now we are back on the RotoWire Prospect podcast. Clay Link here with RotoWire.com's lead prospect analyst, James Anderson. And James, last week on the XM show, we had Matt Thompson on from Prospects Live and from Friends with Fantasy Benefits. He seemed, you know, frankly, a little down on how the Cardinals' front office has run things lately. We know they've lost guys like Rosa Raina, Uh didn't they? I didn't realize this, but Matt mentioned and you mentioned that they traded both Gallon and Alcantara in the Ozuna deal. Uh, it's kind of hard yeah. for I didn't realize that. It's pretty insane. Um, and looking looking ahead to the future, do you think it's you know the what's to come is kind of underwhelming for St. Louis?
2: Um, well, they have a better top prospect than any of these other bad systems we've talked about uh, Nolan Gorman. I mean, I guess you could say Kate Cavalli for the nationals is, is right up there with Nolan Gorman, but Nolan Gorman has been a really good story this year. He's been making a lot more contact. He's been walking more. And Jordan Walker has been a great story. Mason wins had his moments. And we've talked about uh, Alec Burleson um, being kind of a surprise hit in uh, last year's draft, but, The the depth in the Cardinals system is really, really bad. Like if you once you get past like their eighth best prospect, uh Tink Hence, it's just guys who have never played in professional ball, just guys they've signed in in recent J two classes, uh guys that have performed poorly. I mean it just it falls off a cliff really. So uh they don't have a ton on the farm to trade. I think that they at least have a a decent amount of talent at the at the big league level. They've really been hurt by injuries in the rotation. But um yeah, I just I don't really see this this Cardinals team having the juice um, to really make a push in this year or, or future years. They're kind of in that that middle that middle ground that you don't really want to be in.
1: Yeah, I mean the NL Central seems pretty wide open for the taking, although your Brewers are really strong and the Reds are coming on. The Cardinals, I believe, are still above 500, but barely, and they just don't really seem to have that guy who could really or multiple guys who could come up and and help this year Um, or a lot to dangle in in a trade, but they they, they always seem to come on somehow.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's sort of what, what separates the White Sox is just being just this far and away worse system. Is even with like the Cardinals, the Nash. I mean, I don't. I think the Nationals are realistic about not really being true contenders this year. So they, I don't think they will be buyers. Um, the Philly. I mean, at least like the Phillies and Cardinals have a couple guys where they could trade for pretty much anyone that, that's going to get moved at this year's deadline. Like they would have to empty out the system probably to do so. But um, they at least have a, a few appealing pieces that other teams would want. Like the White Sox, like I said, they just they don't have anyone, and and it's it's really kind of um, it's tough to do. Even when you graduate as many good players as they have in recent years, to just not have anyone left on the farm that any team would like, they could not trade for Max Scherzer without tr- without trading uh, guys that are already on the big league roster, and that's that's crazy to think about.
1: That absolutely is. And the Detroit Tigers, another one of your five shallowest farm systems. And they're calling up Matt Manning. We talked about him a few weeks ago, and we are like, no, nah, this can't be a realistic option because he's really struggling at A, But they're going to give him a look anyway. He is
2: tomorrow's starter against the Angels. A little surprise. Yeah, the, there's, the, the shine has really kind of come off uh, Matt Manning. And he, he used to be uh, one of my top three pitching prospects in the game. Um
1: yeah he was a big name prospect
2: for for a while there I mean he yeah he was a guy that i that I really really wanted to see last year when they when they called up uh, Casey Myers and intrigue schoolbel but manning got hurt uh, last year and um it just hasn't been hasn't been good this year uh, he at least has his last start at, at AAA a was was probably his best start of the year um the home runs that he was giving up, he was giving up like two home runs a game early in the season. He's at least kind of improved on that a little bit. But, uh, you know, anything can happen. I mean, predicting how any pitching prospect's going to do when they first get to the majors is is a fool's errand. So I don't want to say that Manning can't have success. I mean, he certainly has, he has the stuff to have success if he's on and he's he's locating his pitches. But I wouldn't go nuts to to add Manning in Jeff leagues right now. He's just, you know, I think that they, they want to see how he does. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he was back at AAA before the end of the month, though.
1: Looks like he went six innings in his most recent start, June 9th, against Louisville, and allowed two earned runs, struck out eight. The numbers overall, though, really bad this year. But I could see, you know, looking at his 2019 numbers, as a twenty one year old at double A, 133 and two thirds, 148 Ks, two five six, zero nine, eight whippy. Totally see why there was a lot of shine at one point. You mentioned that's kind of worn off, but
2: uh, what was the injury last year? Was it arm, I'd imagine? Arm Yeah, arm? it was uh forearm. I mean, yeah, it was a forearm, yeah. So uh, I mean I thought he was a, at risk of needing Tommy John surgery um, by now. And he's avoided it, but you know, maybe maybe some of his struggles this year can be attributed to the fact that he's not pitching at a hundred percent. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, that's like you said, he has gone six plus innings multiple times, and so maybe, maybe he's healthy. I I don't know. I, it's it's just kind of a it's a messy situation. You you typically don't see. A pitching prospect of his caliber get the call when they've been pitching this poorly uh, for the majority of the year, but but here we are.
1: Yeah, that is a little surprising to see, just given the the surface numbers. Maybe they liked what they saw in that that June 9th outing, and they're just like, hey, let's give I, them a chance. But a little surprised. I, I did want to, yeah, We're maybe you, you
2: you hinted at like them having like being included in the shallowest systems, um, like they. Have absolutely no excuse to be in this company, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, they've been um, rebuilding for like a decade. It feels like, if if you eliminate, like five you. yeah, if, if you eliminate the players they got in last year's draft, then they only have two guys in the entire top four hundred that were not drafted in last year's draft: Riley Green and Matt Manning. So that's the twenty nineteen draft for for Green. The 2016 draft for manning they don't have a single player from the 2017 draft in the top 400 and i don't think they don't have a single player from the 2017 draft in their top 20 um they don't have a single player from the 2018 draft in the top 400 uh they've just really had a had a bad run in terms of the draft. Um, I've never really liked their taste in guys on the international market either. They they seem to end up with these guys who are physically more mature than you'd like, and are going to slide down the defensive spectrum. They end up with a lot of guys who just strike out too much. Um, they did have a good 2020 draft, but they also had, I think, the biggest bonus pool actually that might have been the Orioles but I mean they had one of the top three bonus pools last year so they should have had a good draft um, it's it's been just a disaster rebuild really and I mean that that front office is probably uh, not going to be around to see the fruits of this labor if, if, if it ever does bear fruit
1: I know those top two Green and and a lot of excitement behind them and uh, Riley Green in particular at least in spring training he was lighting up the you know, stack has TrackMan numbers and the batted ball numbers do suggest he could be a an impact player but yeah behind the top top guys in the system i just it's
2: bad but um
1: so it's it's al avila right who's, who's gonna be
2: yeah al avila maybe, uh, al avila should maybe uh should take the fall probably he should probably get working on his resume although i don't i don't think I don't think there's a lot to point to there. Um, but He'll yeah. find a
1: job in baseball.
2: <laughs> uh, I,
1: don't, I don't feel too bad for the guy. But, no. I mean, because he – we've heard, at least through leaked reports, that he had chances to trade some of those arms like Michael Fulmer, I think it was. Fulmer and, and, uh, and Matt Boyd, yeah. He had opportunities to improve this team and just – that's really bad, man. At least Jonathan Scope's been uh, crushing it at the big league level. I was surprised to see they DFA'd Wilson Ramos the other day because uh, he had been crushing it early on. But I guess they just were like, "Eh, <laughs> this is a, this isn't going to help us at all." But I and I guess they figured nobody would
2: trade for Wilson Ramos. No, like I mean they, he was they they, they they signed him like. I mean, every team could have signed Wilson Ramos this past year and chose not to.
1: It's kind of crazy to see, though, a guy who's uh, – I guess his average had really fallen, but he had he had uh, six homers and was swinging it well early on this season. James, let's uh, move on from the systems and talk about some unranked gems that you threw in our outline today. I will include, include these with the show notes, if you're all right with that, James. I yeah, yeah for the podcast. So check these out. Uh, you kind of label them Joe gray, all stars, Joe gray. We've talked about on the show. That's the most boring name, but that kind of makes it all the more apropos to have him as the uh, front man for this, this list of players.
2: Yeah. So, so Joe gray was, um, someone that I just, I, I totally, these are all guys that basically should have been ranked on the top 400 update. And I just, uh, I just whiffed on ranking them, and Joe Gray is like the the leader of that that pack. Like he he's in the top two hundred now, but I I just I whiffed on adding him initially. And yeah, I mean he's he's obviously had a great year. We've talked about him. Uh, the first guy I want to talk about is actually Joe Perez, another Joe. Uh, but he's in Houston's system, and and a lot of people will remember that Perez was a. Uh, was one of the Astros' top picks back in uh, 2017 and then just was really limited by injuries and barely played at all, but he's just been awesome this year at low A and then he got the bump up to high A, and we've talked about that, like how you you always love when any any hitting prospect gets a a quick promotion early in the year um, because that obviously means their team is buying into the performance and wants to give them a challenge. And of course, we have to note that um, he's been playing in some pretty hitter friendly environments, particularly uh, at Asheville at high A. But our minor league hard hit data on Joe Perez is, is very promising. He's, he's 38.6 hard hit. That's really good uh, for a minor leaguer. And he's just been absolutely crushing it at, at both stops. Uh, someone that I think you can go out and, and scoop up today in a lot of your dynasty leagues, even the deeper ones. I added him in a few this morning and he's just got, he's got huge power. It's all about the, the strikeout rate with him. And so far he's kept that in check. And, you know, I think that he's, he's just one of these guys that obviously took the time during the pandemic to really improve and get healthy. And, and it's just been, uh, a great start to the year for, for Perez.
1: Now, William Contreras still prospect eligible. I'm guessing. Yeah. Because yeah, it's like a hundred and uh, 126 career plate appearances. He's cooled off a little bit lately. Uh, actually over his last 13, but you still like what you've seen and you think he's got a pretty bright future behind the plate in the big leagues.
2: Well, yeah, I, you know, he's not a top 200 guy and he's, he's not, He's going to graduate, obviously, before he would get a chance to move up there, but I just I wanted to note that I, I should have ranked William Contreras on the last update. Uh, I've been lower on him just because, and it, and this is really challenging and actually probably worth discussing, like when a team has multiple really strong catching prospects, it gets really difficult in terms of how you should rank them because you know that there's only so many, like a guy's not going to move off catcher um, if if there's a log jam, right, like a guy could at shortstop or center field or something like that, uh, there's only so many starts to go around a catcher for every team, and they have Shea Langoliers, who was their first round pick a couple of years ago, who's been awesome this year. And I just, I assume Shea Langoliers is the catcher of the future in Atlanta. Uh, they have invested a ton in him, and and he's a really good two way player. He's a good defender, uh, probably a better defender than than William Contreras, but I, that's why I was low on Contreras. Is I was like, well, at best, he's going to be sharing time with Langoliers in in a couple of years. Uh, but Contreras has been more impressive than I would have thought, particularly in the, the power department. Uh, another another org, Just while we're talking about this, that it's really making it tough on me is the Dodgers because, like, Will Smith was my top ranked catcher for dynasty leagues on the the dynasty update. A couple weeks ago. But they've also got Kybert Ruiz, who has been amazing at AAA and has really seemed to just be uh, kind of hitting a groove offensively. And they've also got Diego Cartaya, who's just been destroying Loe. And all three of these guys are just really impressive young catchers, but they're all in the same org. And Cartaya is far enough away where you're not really going to ding him for being blocked at the big league level. But Like what do you do with Kybert Ruiz, who in really any other orb would be probably a top one hundred prospect for for Dynasty, but because he's with the Dodgers, it's just like, you know, at at best he's gonna play like 40% of the time because of Will Smith being there, and you you need like a Will Smith injury almost. And I just I I can't picture the Dodgers trading these guys because they are such valuable assets. Anytime you have a, a catcher that is going to be solid defensively and an impact hitter, like those are the toughest things to find. And the Dodgers might have three of them. And so it's just really tough to, to figure out how to rank these guys, given the the team context.
1: Yeah, that's a really good thing to point out. And correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't there a point when Kyber Ruiz was kind of a higher-ranked prospect than Will Smith even more?
2: Yes, yes. Yeah. And, like, um, it just
1: adds to the the struggles and the long-term picture there and, and seeing that picture
2: yeah because there was a point where ruiz seemed like the better bat of the two to me like um will smith might have been the better OBP guy but i, I you know back when will smith was in the lower levels of the minors i thought he was going to be a low average you know high walk rate high strikeout rate uh power hitter Uh, He's obviously just really improved with the the hit tool over the years. And Kybert Ruiz was kind of the opposite, where I sort of thought he would be like a Jonathan Lucroy type of guy where it was hit over power. Uh, But Ruiz is just, I mean, he's still 22, I think. And he's got eight homers in 21 games at AAA. I mean, I know it's a a hitter-friendly environment down there, but for a 22-year-old catcher to be doing that at AAA with a 13.5% K rate, I mean, this guy's a stud and he's got yeah, no way to play. Really
1: impressive. It's really impressive. I imagine speaking beginning next year. We probably will have the universal DH, which may help a little bit, but hell, I mean, the Dodgers have so many other options, like still be a log jam. I'd imagine. Do you think that will get included or do you think there's too much to, to negotiate through already? This CBA.
2: Um, well, I, you know, I, first of all, like this is, I mean, if, if there's a work stoppage, it's 100% on the owners, but I think mm-hmm. there will probably be a work stoppage. And
1: you thinking that at this point, it's I
2: scary. mean, the, the <laughs> it's, I mean, the owners are just so awful that I, I just don't see them budging on stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't put anything player. past them. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, That's something, I mean, it's kind of morbid to talk about, but it's something worth considering in Dynasty, too. Uh, If you're, like, a rebuilding club or something, you should be aware of the fact there might not be a a season next year. And so, like, I think there's a case for targeting guys like uh, Dustin May or Matthew Allen, uh, guys who've recently undergone Tommy John surgery, maybe Tyler Glass now. Because if there's not a season next year, these guys that have had Tommy John surgery this year will be fully recovered for 2023.
1: That's a good point, man. Yeah, I could see it, unfortunately. I'm dreading that possibility. But I think it is a possibility we have to mentally prepare for. I I am with you. And this whole spider tech thing, Rob Silver was pointing it out. It's such a transparent way to just paint the players as villains. And, oh, they're all cheaters. And it's just such a clear... The there's, timing of it is so so clearly uh, manipulated to to sh- sh- show poorly on the players.
2: There's there's going to be so much propaganda from the owners through d- you know the John Haymans and Bob Nightingales of the world, where they're just going to be running constant propaganda that it's the players who are greedy, the play- players are cheating, like all this stuff, um, and it's it's obviously complete BS and. Um, like
1: this spider tech thing or just sticky substances in general this is not a new thing. No. But they bring it up now to midway through the year to begin planting the seeds through the media and that was part of Rob's point that the media is a tool in this whole thing.
2: Also, the I mean, you know, color me, not surprised, but including sunscreen and rosin. Yeah. Like we knew, this isn't like hindsight. Like we've known um, for a while and even like Mike Schilt in his like famous press conference from like a month ago like there's a huge difference between using sunscreen and rosin and using spider tech and yet MLB just lumps it all in together and it's it's tough to say this is always the trouble with analyzing the commissioner's office like it's tough to say whether they're just incompetent or whether there's a method to um, these decisions but Either they're either like evil or they're incompetent, like it's it's one of the two, and um, so I, I don't know whichever one they want to be, uh, but yeah, maybe both. Yeah, they, they might be they might <laughs> they be evil both. and incompetent. Yeah,
1: I think it's evil that they bring up the, this crackdown now, and then it's just incompetent that they include, you know, it's, it's it's evil that they want to paint the players as cheaters now, but incompetent that they include sunscreen and. Ross right. in there with spider. Tongue. Yeah. It's, it's pretty insane, man. I, uh, it's kind of like, I love baseball more than anything aside from my family in this world, James, but, uh, it's hard sometimes to forgive and overlook some of the idiotic things they do. And the owners, you know, make it, make it difficult sometimes, but, uh, Kyle Bradish. Moving on here, James. Another name I'm not familiar with, but it was on your Joe Gray All-Stars list. What can you tell us about Kyle Bradish of Baltimore?
2: Yeah, he um, they acquired him. He was kind of the the best player they got back from the Angels in the Dylan Bundy trade uh, a few years ago. And he's been uh, crushing it at AAA. Uh, His last start was his worst start of the year, but uh, on the whole, he's got a, an ERA under two. He's got 49 strikeouts and 32 innings. And he's – I just thought he was worth mentioning because he is at AAA. So he's probably going to make his big league debut this year if he stays healthy. So, uh, obviously, a Orioles pitcher, I mean, that's a tough team context to have success in for fantasy, just given the ballpark and, and everything. But um, – you, you will probably see Bradish join that, that rotation here at, at some point.
1: James Caprillion, Daz Cameron, a couple old friends, old names that we're familiar with, and they're having some success at the big league level. And um, you kind of regretting maybe not having them ranked a little higher? Uh,
2: well, yeah, they fell off the list, I think, for fair reasons. I mean, I think coming into the year, Caprillion – I thought he would be a reliever for, for Oakland just because of his his history and his, his durability issues. But I think he's looking like, you know, a solid number four starter, which is, you know, not not sexy, but you know, he's he's pitching, he's healthy. It's just a really good story that he's that he's able to do that. Uh, Cameron, it's only been like five games, so I wouldn't look at the batting average there, but I mean he really improved at AAA and improve with the strikeout rate. Uh, I don't know if he's going to play enough to be valuable in fantasy, and maybe he just gets sent back down here in a, in a few days or something. But he's got power and he's got speed, and we're always looking for that, obviously. I mean, uh, like getting Jake Fraley for free is is helping, you know, swing some leagues right now. and. I don't know if Daz cameron has got those plate skills that, that Fraley has, but I think he's got the same type of power speed combination you're looking for.
1: Yeah. And Caprillian, he's gone at least five in all but one of his six outings. So it is good to see him going, you know, deep enough to qualify for a win pretty much every time out, including one of those was at Colorado. So, Good run this year for Caprillion, and mostly unrelated, but in that same division, I was just thinking about Logan Gilbert, and uh, good to see him turning it around. Definitely, I yeah. think if, if he were if he was dropped after those big uh, disappointments early on, go out and go out and grab
2: him. Yeah, absolutely,
1: because he uh, he's helping that steak league team. I know you're. I'm lucky to be holding on to uh, eater territory. We'll see how long that lasts. More Joe Gray All-Stars here, James. Uh, Justin Bullock,
2: right-hander for the Brewers. What can you tell us about Bullock? He's the definition of a pop-up prospect. Uh, Did not know who he was coming into the year, but uh, he was absolutely dominant at low A, uh, which, you know, he's 22 years old. We don't have to read a ton into that, but he's got a a deep arsenal. He's – Uh, got a good breaking ball, got a solid changeup, uh, low to mid nineties with the fastball and he got the bump up to high A and was excellent there. in his first start struck out 10 in five innings, uh, didn't walk anyone. So Bullock is, is a name to keep in mind. The Brewers are obviously quite good at developing pitching. Uh, but there's also, there's also a red we can talk about another red. I know we started the Mm -hmm. show with, uh, some some reds pitching talk uh not as well known but graham ashcraft is a a righty in the red system who's been excellent at high a and he's he's older he's 23 but uh generating ground balls at a at a nice clip he's got a deep repertoire he's been uh throwing enough strikes so A couple guys in the NL Central there that are at at high A that are worth uh, keeping an eye on in deeper leagues.
1: I love it. Ashcraft, not somebody I know very well, but I'll have to keep an eye on him. I grew up with a guy named Graham, actually. Just reconnected with him somewhat recently. and uh, It's always fun when you reconnect with a guy you grew up with and just kind of reminded me of that. Uh, Brady Singer, James. Sorry?
2: What were you going to say?
1: I just saw that Brady Singer was removed with right posterior shoulder tightness today. Ah. So that sucks. They're saying it's a precautionary measure, but I'm just I'm bracing myself for more and more pitching injuries without you know, with this sudden shift with their their preparations and how they're actually pitching.
2: Yeah, that's that's a bummer. Um, maybe we see maybe we see Lynch get the call again. Yeah, I could see that.
1: I, I, uh, I was really disappointed with the Coar run, but that's how it happens. You know, you take your chances on some of these guys. Sometimes they blow up in your face. I heard something that along with Coar, like the jump between AAA and the majors is as difficult as it's ever been. Have you heard something about that? I don't know if that's just
2: anecdotal um- or. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it checks out to me. I mean, part of the – it's certainly true on the, the hitting side of things because the pitchers at AAA, for the most part, are not the best pitchers in the minor leagues. There's You're going to see just a lot of like veterans um, that have been around, kind of like the, the quad A version of a pitcher. Uh, hanging around at AAA, and then you get to the majors, and the the level of stuff you're seeing is just a whole nother level completely. And on the hitting side, I mean, when you're when you're used to teeing off against you know ninety two, ninety three, with you know okay off speed stuff, and then you all of a sudden have to face some of these guys in the majors. I mean, it's just it's a there's a big learning curve there.
1: Yeah, it's hard to hit the ground running for sure. Now, I, I'm looking at some of these names, pretty difficult running names here, so I apologize in advance <laughs> if I butcher some of these. Uh, Diego Rinconis, outfielder for San Francisco. Is he kind of a pop-up guy too?
2: Uh, not really. I mean, I, with the rest of these guys, I can just kind of run through um, just quickly and, and just mention them quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, Rincones Cones is a guy who really shows up well on our minor league hard hit uh, data. I think he's got a 45% hard hit rate. And he's someone who's sort of been on and off the Giants top 20 list over the years. He's bat only, basically. Like, he's not going to add much value defensively at all. So he might be a, a DH candidate. Um, Jemai Jones is a guy that might be relevant in... Uh, redraft leagues this year. He's obviously someone that was a top 100 prospect back with the Angels a few years ago, and the ball, the Baltimore Orioles picked him up. He's been on a absolute tear at AAA. I think he's been walking more than he's striking out. Uh, plays second base outfield, so I think there could be a spot for Jones at second base at some point this year for for Baltimore. So in like AL only and deep mix leagues, I think he's already maybe worth. Worth an ad if you can, and then uh, the Yankees have a few guys that are old for high A that are tearing it up. Ken Waldachuk I don't think has given up a run yet, but he's. I kind of want to see what he does at Double A before ranking him. And he's a lefty with, uh, you know, lefty with some some deception in the delivery. Uh, Hayden Wes- Wesneski is a righty uh, with the Yankees who's doing great too. Uh, He's also 23 in at high A, so I kind of want to see what he does at double A. Uh, on the position player side, Ezekiel Tobar was a, a obvious o- omission by me on the, the last Top 400 update. He's a middle infielder with the Rockies. He was a notable J2 guy a, a few years ago. He's really doing well at high or at low A. Felix Valerio with the Brewers, he was part of the uh, – Keon Broxton trade with the Mets a couple of years ago, and, and he's kind of got some Gene Segura vibes. He's uh, really impressing at low A, a uh, little bit of power, a little bit of speed. He's, he's on the smaller side, uh, so he probably ends up at second base, but worth keeping an eye on him. And then uh, Aldo Ramirez, righty for the Red Sox, is, is tearing it up at low A right now. And then three uh, Rangers righties that I thought were worth mentioning are Ronnie Henriquez, Yeri Rodriguez, and Takoa Roby. Um, pretty strong names for all three of those guys, and they're all off to a really good starts. So, monitoring all these guys, they're probably all going to get added to the top 400 on the next update. <clears throat> but obviously, you know, a lot can change between now and then. That'll probably be. Uh, after the the draft, but I have been just adding some of these guys at the bottom of the list when guys like Q. Hayes and Zach McKinstry graduated. I added uh, like Justin Bullock and James Caprillion this morning. So um, you will see some of these guys probably slip onto the top 400 as more guys graduate.
1: Awesome. Well, we appreciate these unranked hidden gems, these Joe Gray all-stars. You're talking about Texas, and I just wanted to mention Demarcus Evans. Did you end up grabbing him? in any leagues last weekend. I got him and then I, I saw Spores blew a save so it's
2: kind of. Well, I had yeah, that Spores right. blown save in my TGFBI lineup. Oh no. Um, and then I think Sorry. I but I but I think I have um Oh man, I can't remember what league it was. I think I added Spores and DeMarcus Evans in one league just really sort of hedging Porter trying Mark. to Try to get that that Rangers bullpen uh, locked up, but um, those five
1: five second half saves We're gonna <laughs> push you over the top.
2: <laughs> I mean, dude, if I, if I, I added had
1: Evans, I added Evans, so I get it.
2: If I had uh, if I had like fifteen more saves, I think I've got like sixteen saves or something like that right now in TGFBI. If I just had 15, 20 more saves, so basically just end up with any of these random closers that are are having good seasons, I would probably be number one in the TGFBI overall right now. But just when you're, when you're that bad in one category, it's tough to to really push up into that, that top two or three.
1: Yeah. That's a tough category to figure out this year, especially Uh, fabulous. Wanted to know too, in the chat uh, where we can find James's articles apart from Twitter, Uh, rotowire.com. And then Robin Clark said, uh, hey, guys, Wander Franco, 12-team family, uh, how long should he wait? Do you think he's a stash in a 12-team mixer, Franco? I know you're uh, sick I think of your questions at this point.
2: Well, no, I mean.
1: With Wander Franco
2: specifically. I, I don't mind. I, I'm always happy to answer prospect questions, dynasty questions. Uh, I'm, I'm probably not I, – I don't really have time to answer, like, just standard redraft questions especially when it's like a 50 50 call like um you know i'd answer so many prospect questions that it just got to draw the line somewhere but um, well, you're, you're great
1: about it. i just really imagine with him specifically you're probably sick of well it's
2: just i i'm gonna yeah. constantly just i'm gonna constantly just tell you that i don't know i mean i i don't know when he's going to be up um if i did then that would mean that i was like really tight with someone really high up in that front office which i'm not Mm -hmm. uh but i will say that in a in a 12 teamer like it's just all about what that roster spot is costing you like is that affecting you in the standings right now if you're if you're hemorrhaging somewhere and you're not able to plug that hole because you're rostering franco then i think you might want to move on Uh, but if you can just keep him on your bench and you're fielding a lineup every week and the alternative is to just pick up like a sixth or seventh outfielder or something like that, who's in the majors that doesn't have that type of upside Then I would just hold him. But if it's costing you in the standings, then, you know, and it depends who's out there too. Like, who are you dropping him for? Is it someone that's, that's good and that, you know, is going to help you? Or is it just someone, you know, like, are, are you dropping him for like Enrique Hernandez or Akil Badu or someone like that? Then no, I'd probably hold him. But, if you can go add someone that's actually going to help you in the 12 teamer, then, then maybe you move on from it.
1: Yeah, I'd lean probably not stash them actually in the 12 mix. I just think they're probably better options than the bad dues and whoever else you mentioned. Probably just would prefer to churn, and you may end up with somebody even more valuable than Franco eventually. But that is a tough one. I just wanted to not leave that guy uh, hanging. Before we uh, draft our walk-up songs for this week, James, anything else on your minds?
2: No, we we went off on a few tangents, so I cleared out uh, everything that I've been thinking about there earlier.
1: Nice, man. Well, um, I always forget which which one of us drafts first, since this is kind of an informal draft. We did actually track the uh, other drafts in the spreadsheet. But this one, I feel like there's little chance of uh, you know getting sniped and whatnot. So, um, why don't you go first this week?
2: Yeah, um, I am going to go with a my first song off of a mixtape. But I did double check to make sure that it's on uh, that it's on Spotify, so we will be able to add it. It's a uh, Surf Swag by Lil Wayne off of no ceilings which is a mixtape from uh, like 2009 i want to say um i think it used to be called swag surf but then on spotify when it was added like a couple years ago they kind of changed some things around with that mixtape but uh that was that no ceilings mixtape like late 2000s Lil wayne was just elite Lil wayne in in my opinion and then he kind of fell off after that but uh
1: yeah, that rock that rock album was a low point. Yeah, I don't remember when that was, but that definitely led to his. I, I consider myself a little bit of a Lil Wayne connoisseur, and I don't even know that song, so obviously
2: I have some holes well, this, in my knowledge. This was uh, this was also just back, like he was releasing like a mixtape every like two months back then. So like, yeah. you might have just been listening to a different mixtape.
1: Uh. <laughs> I'll have to get familiar though. Uh, what was the name of it? So I can listen to it after the show.
2: Surf Swag. Yeah, surf
1: Swag. Okay. I'm going with a more well-known track, probably for most people anyway. And some people probably shake their head and laugh because they think I'm a gimmick at this point. But um, I got five on it. We got the loonies. I was I found an old CD the other day, and I that was the first song on it. And when I put it in, I just had a... I actually laughed out loud when that the first few beats of that song came on. So I just, look, it's a great song. And I'm surprised Cody Bellinger hasn't used it. Let's just say that. Because uh, I think he probably likes that song. But James, good stuff. I'm going to listen to... Uh, Surf swag here momentarily, and uh, thanks for all the insight, man. Look forward to Farm Friday, which will be the last Farm Friday of the year. So join us on XM if you can on Friday. James, talk to you then, man. Yeah, we'll talk to you all Good next stuff, week man. on the RotoWire Prospect podcast, sponsored by
3: WinBet. Try RotoWire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools. Rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash
0: try.